Once again, I feel like I'm doing one of those big eight shows. They would sometimes show them on the Prime Network. Yeah. And in Ames, Oklahoma on, State. On Cable Sports. And Iowa State met up. Your Big 12 update. Your Big 8 update on Cable Sports. That's what was then Cyclone Stadium. Yeah. As Pat Jones brings us Cowboys in to, <laughs> yeah, to bring in Coach Walden's Cyclone. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Bellevue West, uh, Jaden Cassio Jensen. Yeah. Right he hits eight three pointers at a 73 61 win over Creighton Prep. I didn't hit eight three pointers total in my high school basketball career. Mm hmm. In fact, if I ever even attempted a three-point basket, I was put on the bench. Yeah. So good on you, Jaden. He scored 28 points. Uh, good on Nebraska ball fans. The Nebraska Athletic Ticket Office announced yesterday that their game against Michigan on Saturday, February 10th is sold out. Now, in fans' defense, they might have thought they're playing the Fab Five. like, oh, we go watch them play <laughs> Michigan. No, no. My, I'm, I'm taking Nebraska ball to cover that day. Maybe that's why everyone's going. They See, feel like, yeah, hey, yeah. guarantee. Uh, although, Juwan at this point, Howard, if Farrell you're playing tour. at home... It don't matter who the opponent is, right? Because they're thirteen and one at Pinnacle Bank Arena this season. Who was they, the loss to, though? It was to Creighton. Yeah, okay. Streamers. I know. I'm just trying to be. I'm trying to be fair because you're, I know you're, you I just know, asked a question, it, and, and those are facts. I'm trying to be fair because it, it came across as we were heavily Nebraska slanted uh, this week with kind of poking the bear. I'm. I'm just. I'm speaking up for you, Creighton fans. You did hand Nebraska their only loss at PBA. They're like, yeah, we know. And you are also the same, have the same record as Nebraska. Speaking of Creighton, the pink game against DePaul tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. We get you started with shoot-around at 4, pregame at 5.30. And our big day at the Hope Lodge starts with uh, the Happer Show coming up after this. The Creighton women host Seton Hall tomorrow at 1. Omaha men's basketball falls at Oral Roberts last night, 74-67 to at Tulsa's maybe center. The Maps dropped to 10-12 and in the year, 3-4 and in the Summit League, falling below 500 in league play for the first time since the conference opener against Denver on December 29th. Speaking of... They are at Denver tomorrow. The Pioneers, not the Nuggets. That mm. matters. Because if they're going up against the Joker, it'd be a long day yeah, for the Mavs. That's true. The Maverick women lose 88-78 to Oral Roberts. They were right there, but they just couldn't get over the hump last night at Baxter. They're 4-16 and overall on the season, 0-7 at conference play. And they host Denver tomorrow at 2 o'clock. They need to win. They need to win bad. Omaha Hockey on the road. Speaking of needing to win bad, for a big series on the road at St. Cloud State tonight and tomorrow. The Carolina Panthers have hired Bucks offensive coordinator Dave Canales as the head coach. Terms of the deal were not announced, but they think it is for six years. They hope the 42-year-old Canales can do for Bryce Young what he did for Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, and Baker Mayfield. It's an interesting trio. You know why this is going to be like the best hire of this entire coaching cycle? Because you haven't heard of him. And yes, usually that was the guy. That was the least sexiest uh, move at all. But Carolina was not going to get. The sexy pick at all. So like you know like when Sirianni was hired or yeah. Doug Peterson, yes. they're like, what? Why? Like, oh, okay. Then they turn out to be good. Well, Sirianni maybe. He's still good. If we'll he see. if he got fired, he'd be hired within five seconds. Probably. And he would take the lessons he's learned, maybe be a little more humble and dial it down a little bit. But he can coach football. His um his press conference on Wednesday, and he reminded was them uncomfortable. I mean, it's Philly. It kind of has to. Be. They were. They asked the question of what your role is. Gonna yeah, be. did you hear that? Head and, coach of the and, football and, and, team, and he should have shut it down right there. But then he went to like explain, like, oh, we're, you know, we're we're not going to necessarily change our five pillars. Maybe we'll we'll like sort of uh, reprioritize. Like, he's, it's like, no, 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 no. I'd be like, five I, pillars. I, I, what I the hell is this? A company's I under, mission statement. I understand the question that the reporter asked, so I'm not like necessarily calling out the reporter for asking that question. But if you're Nick Sirianni, you make it sound like it's a bad question. You're like, what kind of question that I'm the head coach. Yeah. Next question. You know, you, you Bill Belichick the crap out of that thing. But then the Which more he started talking, it was like, ooh, 
no. Just Shut this down, man. Maybe call Andy Reid. You know, you know the guy you were trash talking their fans. Talk yeah. to Andy Reid. Andy, you seem to always be in the same even keel. How did you handle them? Yeah. Andy was he had a he had it for all the good he's done in Kansas City, and he has done. I've always been an Andy Reid fan, despite my and, grievances with the Chiefs. But in Philly, he just had a way of getting it with the fans. I remember uh, his second year, they made the playoffs, and fans were waiting outside the vet to get playoff tickets. Andy brought pizza to the fans in the cold. Oh, that, that seems like an Andy Reid type yeah, thing. Yeah, like, hey, you guys are... So Nick Nick needs to dial into some of that. It, it I was, think he's a good coach. I think he's going to be all right. But. It reminded me, it was very eerily similar to and this this is crazy. We are not even two hours into the show, and I'm going to bring up Scott Frost for I the knew second time. It reminded me a lot of Scott Frost at Big Ten Media Days, minus not having the opening statement. But when he was asked about, okay, now that you have Mark Whipple and you're sort of tasked with being more of the CEO type uh, coach as opposed to you know the uh, offensive mind, Frost and Whipple, and, and then he was. You could tell as he was talking, it was very similar to Nick Sirianni, where he didn't really know like what what the what the role was supposed to be and what he ultimately needed to do. And it, you could tell he was very uncomfortable with kind of the the power shift or like the restructuring of the the decision making with the offense. And you talking you, about you Scott? Could, yeah, Scott. You could yeah, just tell. Reach for a comment, Scott Frost said. Well, that's just like your opinion, man. But I believe he he said something similar. Like, well, that means I might be spending some more time. On the defensive side of the field during practices, and then you know, you know, by sometime on the offensive team. side, and yeah, right. But like Sirianni said the same thing. He goes, "I might be spending more time uh, in defensive meetings, and then you know, some time in offensive meetings, and I'll just kind of be around more." It Sometimes was so I'll just hang around to what I heard from Frost uh, during the Big Ten media day. So, <sighs> uh, hopefully, for Philly fans, I'm going to give Sirianni you have some a better credit. ending to that. I'm going to give him some faith for a year, but I understand that there's probably more beneath there. And that'll reveal itself next year. And listen, if there's a guy I could see getting fired midseason because of all this stuff, it, as 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 much as I defend him and think he's a good coach and and he'll learn from all this, I could see them if something's not fixed next year and something's still yeah. off that they'll just pull the plug. Um, but I do think they'll figure it out. I just you go to the Super Bowl. I think it was too much, too fast, and it went to his head. This game humbles you. And I think that's what this year did. So they did the smart move. Don't be the knee-jerk reaction. Hey, they get a coach who finally wins a Super Bowl in Philly, and then they fire him a couple years later. Yeah. And so then you get a coach that gets you back there, and then they're talking about firing. And it's... If, if you make that move, it has to be extremely rare circumstances. And the well, you cir- better have a dude coming in. Well, the, the circumstances that I also think exist were uh-huh. if you were just recently removed from a Super Bowl, where, I mean, that was a great game. It wasn't like they made the Who'd Super Bowl that they got smoked. Who might be taking the year off? Billy B. Who do you think might fit in sparring with the Philly media? Oh, gosh. Wouldn't that be a match made in heaven? Now, okay. You are know we, it's got to at least cross Jeff Lurie's Because we mind. know that uh, Vic Fangio is going to be heading to Philadelphia. He'll do a great job. Do we do we know for certain that – because I feel like Bill Belichick is not going to be a head coach in this cycle. Is he against being a D.C. somewhere? No, he wants to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just the right situation might not present itself like you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I smell what you're cooking. Just to – it's not just a, to be it's involved. Not a bad theory. Just to be involved somewhere as an analyst, because that's where I would. I Call would, up Tony White. I hey, would take a look at my. Yeah. You're good. I'm decent. That's where I would let's take talk. a look at my staff and be like, "All right, uh, if Bill Belichick really wants to come on and be the DC, is he better than what we currently have?" Well, the answer is yes, but mm-hmm. 
He's just coming in to visit. He's a consultant. You're right. It would be a very, very rare situation to take a a coach who was just in the Super Bowl and then the following year make the playoffs. Any of his assistants a head coach right now? You fall flat that you would end up firing them. The only reason you would have to do something like that if there was some type of internal matter or you it's blatantly obvious and it's completely 100% clear that you have lost that entire team. Like they, there is no faith whatsoever. And, and we'll know. You'll and, be able to and, tell. Well, and I think that there was there was at least even verbally, I think there was enough votes of confidence from players that were like, no, he's the man, he's the guy. Even Jason Kelsey, who was Who's leaving honest. and is, is very honest and is also retiring or retiring. He's not going to play with the Eagles. Um, he's retiring. Had, had great things to say about Nick Sirianni yeah. too. So stay the course. Don't I don't. Panic. I don't think you've lost the team, and I think in, in in only a circumstance that would present itself to get rid of a guy so quickly that would have to be blatantly obvious, and I don't think that's the case with Sirianni. No, I, I don't think it's so. just weird. He just he needs he needed to not elaborate when asked about what his role as the head coach is going to be. He, he'll he'll learn. He's young, and, and it's, it's Baby a steps. lot. Baby steps. Uh, new Titans head coach Brian Callahan said he intends to call the plays on offense this season. He is entering his 14th season of coaching in the NFL. Man, time flies, including the past five as the Bengals' offensive coordinator, but Callahan didn't call the plays in Cincinnati. He followed the same path as Zach Taylor. Oh, that name again, who mm-hmm. called plays as the Bengals' coach. And finally, LeBron James became the first player to be named to 20 all-star teams last night when he was selected for the Western Conference. I'm glad they're going back to conferences because yes. well, the way they were doing it was stupid. As part of Agreed. the league's unveiling, oh, there are a lot of things the NBA is doing now is stupid, but that's a different <laughs> soapbox. As part of the league's unveiling, my team is stupid. The league's unveiling of the 10 starters for next month's All-Star game in Indianapolis. Did you know they put a court in the airport in case you want to play a pickup game while you're getting a Cinnabon. Oh, nice. LeBron, who passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, star of Airplane, for most all-star nods in NBA history, was joined in the West, starting five by Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic, and Thunder guard Shea Gilgis-Alexander. People forget the Thunder are good. People forget they also stole a team from the city of Seattle, but that's a different <laughs> conversation that's neither here nor then Supersonics forever. <laughs> And no one's bitter in, in Seattle about that at all. I've been to both cities. I like I'm Oklahoma City. Say, I'm a big Oklahoma City fan. Yeah, Seattle's better. I, I have trust me. I've had have fun never, in Oklahoma City, but Seattle's better. I've never been to Seattle, and, and I'm you sure like it, it. I'm sure it's probably knowing you and the things cool. you like. Yeah, you would like it. Um, oh, but I can't go there because there's no sun. Look outside when the yeah, sun oh, comes this, up. There's not exactly sun here. Been, you know what? For what we do and uh, when we have to get the occasional nap in, um, this weather has been perfect for that. You don't have to close the blinds and leave them open. Yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. But yeah, I'm, I'm ready to see a little bit more sun. Omaha and Seattle are practically the same city. Uh, you mentioned first. Uh, the Mavericks uh, men's basketball team losing last night to Oral Roberts. I was just looking at the standings because I know Gary's talking about the you know, the goal is to, to be wearing whites on the um, uh, opening of the conference mm-hmm. tournament right now. It's like the biggest log jam right now. Like So South Dakota State is one game up on the field. They're at 5-1. and one. Uh, St. Thomas and Denver, who Omaha plays tomorrow, Denver, uh, they're 4-2. and two. Then you got uh, North Dakota at 3-3. Three and three. And then it's Oral Roberts, Omaha at 3-4. and four. South Dakota 2-4. North Dakota State 2-4. Kansas City two and four. So the difference between the your clubhouse leader in South Dakota State and the bottom of the conference is three games. 
So just keep it's winning. been kind of a a tough week and a half. Lost a couple games. Yep. Start winning them. If again. I mean, that just shows you just the power of one win, what it could do for uh, Omaha men's basketball. So that's a that's a big spot they're in uh, tomorrow against Denver. Uh, you also mentioned Omaha hockey. So we had this conversation on Monday about kind of the the idea of the program where it just seems like it's sort of stuck, meaning it's still looking to get over that hump. Um, and when I when I think of getting over the hump, I'm thinking of finally being able to knock down that door of getting it in the second weekend of the conference tournament. And I know that people who don't maybe follow college hockey think, well, isn't it, shouldn't that be the standard every year? That's okay. You're here to educate. Shouldn't it. you be in the? I mean, for people who don't know, the NCHC is a absolute wagon of a conference. I mean, it is it is the I always say it's the SEC of college hockey. It just means more. It pisses Cold. people off because like, well, SEC don't ever compare the SEC to anything. But that's how good and deep uh, the NCHC is in hockey to get to that next level. And that next level being you're playing in what they call the frozen faceoff. That's the the you know, the four teams who win their opening uh, series in the conference tournament and then end up playing in sort of a winner-take-all type uh, format. And then, of course... Like the All-Valley Tournament. The, yes. You, you survive in advance. And then the winner of that tournament gets an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Uh, this is where... And I, I want to I make sure I mention this when it comes to this current team because I don't think I probably did it justice in our conversation on Monday with some of the guys that came back, like I think, at least for me, like maybe a little bit of the the disappointment this season has been you did get a lot of guys that returned, guys that were you know super seniors or, or you know had a chance to come back for for a COVID year, but um, you know a lot of especially I've seen in a hockey game, a lot of those guys will just move on, whether they're going to play pro hockey or just kind of move on with their life. But you got a lot of you know key guys that came back, and it felt like the one thing that you haven't seen with this team this year has been consistent offense that I felt with the Jack Randalls and the Nolan Sullivans of the world coming back and you know having a healthy Matt Miller now finally that you were going to see this team put up probably some more goals and I'm a big Simon Lacozzi fan he had a tough weekend against Denver as just the team did but I think between steady goaltending and just having some kind of consistent offense that you know they would be put in sort of the the thick of it when it came to the NCHC. What I will say about Mike Gabinet and his time at Omaha that maybe doesn't get discussed enough, because I know the question was, you know, they're stuck, and then, you know, Gary had asked, you know, who's, you know, who's uh, defending Mike Gabinet. I, I will say this about the guys they do get in. Like Jack Randall's a perfect example of this. For a guy that started out at Michigan was – not probably going to be used in their you know top two or three lines early on, so he gave it a go at a different location, as we see transfers in many places do. You look at his role and and like his significance had a huge year last year, and was fighting a little bit of an injury last weekend, but you know he's been kind of up and down this year. But his development's been good. I would say this about the development, and this goes to Gabinet and the the other coaches too. There's development there. You know that that's one thing that you can't overlook when it does come to where these guys kind of start out and then you know where they end up finishing as long as they stick with them I I think there's there's enough examples of development there but when I think of the whole like the stuck thing this weekend is like the perfect opportunity if you are to sort of unstick yourself unstuck 
I like that. Unstick yourself. Get out of the mud a little bit. Is you got a St. Cloud State team that uh, they got beat last weekend. This is a team, by the way, that's played in five overtime games. In one of those, including um, when they played Omaha back in the first half of the season in Omaha, they lost to Omaha in a. I think that was ends up being a shootout loss. But it's a team that plays a lot of games close. And watching Omaha, whether people agreed or disagreed with the calls that were taking place, I mean, it was a whistle-happy crew. There's no question. Uh, if they can just be more disciplined, St. Cloud State is very talented, but, again, they play a lot of close games. They're right there. If you are matching them discipline-wise, you can put some pressure on them. If they could come out of this weekend, and they, I think they beat two years ago, they, they swept an even more talented St. Cloud State team than what I, you're seeing this year. You're always just kind of looking for that series to kind of ignite it because this is the one thing that I said on Monday that I believe going into this weekend is there's still time. It wasn't a great look last weekend, but there is still time to sort of unhinge in a, in a positive way to sort of find that that key series that's going to unlock them a little bit because then you have Minnesota Duluth coming to Baxter Arena next weekend where that's a very beatable team. And then at that point, if you're able to maybe get say, three out of those four in these next two series, all of a sudden, start stacking a couple wins, putting yourself in better position. Because right now, the goal has to be, and I think it's probably the ceiling for this team right now, considering where the standings are, is somehow fighting for that fourth spot, that last spot to get home ice in the uh, conference playoffs right now. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a team that I think maybe more than anything, it's been kind of frustrating that it hasn't been as consistent because it is such a likable team. They got a lot of guys that are that have been around in the program that came back, and you always respect that. You want them to be, um, you just want to see them have more success. I mean, that, that's more personal. Heck, for me, it's personal because Reese loves these guys. Reese got to meet uh, big, big, tall defenseman Kirby Proctor on Saturday. Dad, will I be that big one day? Oh yeah, and he, so he kept. So Jack Randall's his favorite player. Like he loves Jack Randall, but when he saw Kirby Proctor and again how big he is, he's a very, very tall guy. He gave him nucks, and then the. Whole weekend, he was like, Daddy, who's a tall guy again? Who's a tall guy again? And, then, and I'd say Kirby Proctor. Oh, yeah, Kirby Proctor. Yeah. And, and he, and that, so. Yeah, East Coast and, accent. But, but this is right before they're getting ready to take the ice and warm ups. And Kirby Proctor and um, Jacob Slippick are like giving them nucks. And like, it's, it's just, so for me, it's, it's like kind of personal because they're just good dudes. Yeah. They're, 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 they're very good guys and then he goes to daycare we're like hey i'm in tight with them <laughs> yeah he starts name dropping yeah as as it like dad does i yeah. I, I like to name drop a lot too so i i guess more than anything I, I wanted to make i wanted to make sure like when we were talking about this program on monday there are things that i, I don't think i probably brought up enough when it came to the development of some of these players that i do think is when you're looking for some type of positive thing to draw from from a team that does seem like it's kind of stuck or a program that goes beyond even Mike Gabinet. Like, I mean, we saw these second-and-a-half swoons under Dean Blaze, too, that it's not because they have a bunch of bums. It's not because they, you know, th- th- these coaches don't know what they're doing or anything like that. There are things there. There are silver linings with what these guys bring. It's just a matter of having it sort of all come together. And for whatever reason, you know, th- there was the two years ago where they, they went on this heater at home where they – Swept St. Cloud State. They took one from Denver, took one from North Dakota, but then they had this like inexplicable like sweep on the road to Miami, who was last in the conference at the time. So it's like trying to avoid those moments where you become your own worst enemy, where you're winning these series, 
and you look like you got all this momentum. You're like, dang, okay, now it's coming. Then you go on the road to Oxford, Ohio, and lose two games to Miami. You're like, you, you come you're back, back you're to like, square one. Yeah, you're like, what the hell? So yeah. you, you just lost all that momentum. So And I get what you're saying. You want to see things work because you have a personal attachment to them. People like people could be like, well, you just because you know him personally. Yeah. A lot of times Absolutely. in this business, that's you, what it is. You were like that with with the Kansas. You want you get to know these people, and you see how much work they put into it, and how much little sleep that they get, yeah. and how much coffee that they have to drink because of it. And you're like, can it just work out for them? Well, and you're not going to ignore the weaknesses because then that's you know that's your credibility too. If you're just you know rosy rosy glasses the whole time, no matter what happens, you're you're. But you're still, like, just find a way. It's all great. It's all great. It's all great. Obviously, that's not the case. But there are things that I think this fan base should be excited about for this weekend and what they still have in front of them, especially with some major home series where you still got Nodak coming here. Uh, you've got um, CC, who I think is th- th- that improvement ever since they opened their new arena, their improvement with that program. Man, it's impressive. That's a good one coming to town as well. Minnesota Duluth next weekend. So there are some great opportunities, but I that's I just don't want to put so much emphasis on one weekend. But if they are to make any type of push, but it'd be it's nice. got to happen this weekend. Be something positive. St. Cloud State is a top 15 team. They are a top 15 in the pairwise too, but it's not an overwhelm. Not like Denver. It's not the same type of like Denver talent that you saw a weekend ago and you've already played these guys too. I just feel like... This, if it's going to happen for this team, this is a perfect opportunity. All right, uh, when we come back, we are going to get back into the conference championship uh, talk. We'll talk also Nebraska versus Maryland tomorrow at 11 a.m. tip. Advantage Terps or advantage Huskers when it comes to that. And also reminding you about a great day uh, here at 1620 The Zone with our broadcast over at the Hope Lodge and how you can be a part of that and also the big pink out game tomorrow night with Creighton and DePaul's. We continue. It's mornings with Sharp and Hanley on 1620 The Zone.